World's Finest Podcast, Episode 20. I am your co-host, James Doe, and because I don't want to again start an episode of World's Finest Podcast on a bad note, here's the emperor of Earth2.net, Michael Sims. The emperor? who I like that. Oh, <laughs> oh Christ, today sucks. Anyway, yes. But that yeah, did make my day. That did make my day. <laughs> uh, so, do we want to fill our listeners in on why today sucks? Um, well, you We'll know. start on a personal note, I think. Should you know? Do we want to get the big news or just start on my personal problems well, again? We'll move into the big news in a, in a little bit, but yeah, let's start with the personal stuff. <laughs> yeah, my, you know, I really hate starting off these these shows on such a negative <laughs> note, but you know, my life just sucks in general right now. Well, see, now my, yeah, my laptop is on the fritz now. It doesn't pick up wireless network, so it's in the shop for God knows how long. And yeah, I. And, oh, and the uh, the other big one. I had to put all of my college tuition this semester on my Best Buy credit card Ugh, because they didn't they didn't get my financial aid and they didn't take Visa cards on their website. Who the please hell is expl- going to take Visa? Please explain that to me. I have never seen any place that accepts that accepts Mastercard, Discover, and American Express, but not Visa. Hmm. So anyway, yeah, there's two more things to add to my long list of wow what the hell is going on in my life list. But anyway, yeah, so I'll just end that there. Oh, well, with me, it boils down to the fact that, you know, I wasn't sure we were going to be able to record tonight. You know, it's it's it, it, this is the damnedest thing, guys. Obviously, James and I record over the Internet. That's how this works. We record using Skype. Indeed. So obviously this is working, but my Internet connection isn't working right now. So go figure that one out. My internet connection isn't working, but it's working enough so that we can use Skype to record this show. I, I don't know. I don't know. And then, of course, there was yesterday. We were supposed to record yesterday. But, okay, so uh, that got screwed up because a plumber showed up at 11. We've been having this problem with our kitchen sink where it'll if you let the water run for about a minute and a half, it, it starts backing up. And once it's backed up, it could take anywhere from a minute to 30 minutes for the sink to actually drain. So this this plumber comes out at 1 o'clock, says he's going to just give us an estimate. And not only is he looking at our place, he's also looking at our neighbor's place, too. Because for those that don't know, I live in a condo, so there's this shared wall and this shared pipe. So he's going back and forth between the units, and he just starts snaking the pipe without asking us if he wants us to do work. So, whatever, I just let him go about his business, um, because I was under the impression that it was going to be free, because he was the uncle of someone that lives in this building. So, this is going on, and, you know, he's here for a little while, I knew it was going to be a rough job. Well, an hour turns into two, turns into three, turns into seven. So, 
I kept you got all those frantic emails I sent you, right, James? Oh, oh yes, I did. <laughs> I just kept he, sending him all these. He shits emails. you not, people. Yeah, it's like uh, it's like okay, James, it's two hours before recording. They're still here. There's no sign they're leaving. I don't know if we're gonna get to record. Okay, James, it's ninety minutes before we're supposed to record. They're still here, and I mean, I was doing this like every half an hour, and then I was like, it got to the deadline, and I'm like, okay, can we bump this back an hour? And James is like, sure, 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 that's no problem. And then once that hour was up. They were pretty much leaving. We could have recorded, but I needed to clean up the mess they left because they got water all over the floor twice. Oh, then and, and speaking of which, when a plumber comes to your house, there's a good chance they're going to get water on the floor. I understand that, but wouldn't the wa- wouldn't the plumber bring something to clean up said water? I you thought would plumbers think. would have some sort of towels or industrial rags or something, but no, they didn't have them. Um, so anyways, I needed to clean up their mess. I needed to put my kitchen back together. I needed to do a little thing called eat dinner because I hadn't eaten since like 11 o'clock, and that was like 8.30 at night. I was starving my ass off. I needed to edit Earth2.net the show 188 and piece that all together and get that posted up. So it was like it, can't, it just boiled down to the fact that we just couldn't record. If we were to record it, I would have been up. I never would have went to bed. I would have been up, at this point, I would have been up about, like, 40 hours. It just Well, not not to mention the fact oh. that you were extremely pissed off. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the thing is, in retrospect, I shouldn't have been pissed because they did the job for literally one-fifth the price of what we were originally told it was going to cost. Because now they said it was going to be gratis, but then they ended up charging us at the end of the day. So I don't know what that's all about, but, you know, there's a condo board that we have to deal with, so it's... Not us directly. So I, I really don't care. You know, but, yeah, because initially we were told that, and this is from a different plumber, our cabinets were going to have to be taken out. They were going to have to rip open the wall, get to this common pipe to see what was wrong with it. And these guys just snaked it for, like, seven hours. So, sure, it was a big headache and it was a big mess, but it saved the, the, the entire condo, like, literally over $4,000. So, like I said, it, it was a hassle, and I was really pissed off, and I was, you know, whatever. But I guess when it, when it saves you that kind of money, you, you got you kind of got to put up with a headache, right? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, but uh, we're recording now, so that that's all that matters, you know. Yeah, and I'm with it you. It got I, done. Yeah, and like I said, I'm with you. I don't I don't like always starting on a down note, but at the same time, I think it. You have to be realistic. We have to be realistic, but it also provides us with some chuckles. You know, it really does. And for the most part, it does. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure our listeners get a kick out of it. They're like, "Oh, that's kind of funny," because it's not them. You know, I mean, what's what's that? And that's okay. Yeah, exactly. I mean, what's that quote? (laughs) It's funny because it's not me. It's that sort of thing. If I was listening to this podcast, I'd be like, "Oh shit, that's funny." Oh, I shouldn't be laughing, but it's still funny. So feel free to (laughs) laugh, people. You know, oh, but something we shouldn't laugh at. Sadly, is and I thought this was a joke. I legit thought this was a joke when I saw it on Newsarama, but uh, it's not. Is the death of Heath Ledger, the, the the man who is going to star as the Joker in the forthcoming The Dark Knight film? I mean, my initial reaction was, and I'm not joking when I say this. My blood ran cold. I was at work when I read this. My blood ran cold, and my vision went blurry. And that was just when I saw the headline over at Newsarama. I just saw the picture of Heath Ledger as his little Joker face, and it just said Heath Ledger dead at 28. And I, I mean, I, I just I just went completely numb, and for for a couple of seconds, I just could not see. And then once I did kind of get my vision back, it was like I was at the end of a tunnel. Everything was kind of extended, 
and it was it was still hard to make things out on the computer screen. It just blew my mind. And at first, I'm not joking when I say this, at first I thought it was a joke, part of the viral campaign that they've been doing, or something. But Warner Brothers would never allow a campaign like that to fake the death of a huge actor. So once that set in, and I realized that this was 100% legit, I just... If, if I just went more numb. I just I just didn't know what to do. I just kind of sat there in my chair at work, just stunned. What about you, James? How did you find out? I well, like I said earlier, I don't have I didn't have my laptop. I use it at school. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was in my last class of the day, my statistics class, and I'm sitting there in the back of the classroom. The class had just started, and this was like 7:30 earlier this night uh, this evening, and the girl that sits next to me uh, had her laptop. And she whispered to herself, Heath Ledger died? And I looked over at her laptop, and I looked, and she was on Yahoo's main page, and sure enough, it said Heath Ledger dead, and I just sat there like, just with my mouth gaping open. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't know what to say. So ten minutes later, I just made like I was going to the bathroom, and I went out to the uh, the computer lab, which is juxtaposed right outside the room where my statistics class is, and I checked the page, and yeah, it was... 100% legit, and I, I was even colder there. I didn't know what to think. I still don't. Right. Yeah, I mean, because at this point, we don't know cause of death or anything. I mean, the, 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 the news, you know, the news outlets, they're all going to be like, oh, there were sleeping pills around the bed. There was this, there was that. But until they say that there was a massive amount of sleeping pills in his body or a massive amount of drugs in his body, he just died. It wasn't a suicide yet, and I really wish people on the Internet and in the media would just shut up about that. We don't know what caused it, so lay off he had, the guy. He's barely cold. Well, like, he allegedly had pneumonia, too. Oh, I didn't hear that, really. I've, I've read that, I think, on Yahoo, but I don't remember if that was what it was. I mean, for, I, I, for yeah. all we know, he was having a hard time sleeping. I mean, he's an actor. These guys are, I mean, they work, like, such long days. They really do. 17, 18-hour days. Exactly. People. So, he, he, you know, he was currently filming a movie. I forget the name of it. It was a fantasy picture. But uh, he could have had some trouble sleeping, did take a couple of sleeping pills. It could have been the prescribed amount. And when he lay down, his heart just gave out. It doesn't matter that he was 28. If your heart says it's time to go, it's time to go. So... You know, I, I see people at various chat forums being like, how can he commit suicide, and how dare he? And I'm like, just just don't just hold that until it's confirmed that he did want to check out, you know? But at, at, right now, let's just assume that nature said it was time. Let's not think that, that he did this on purpose. Exactly. You know, and I know it's kind of a morbid thought. It shouldn't be one of our first thoughts, but... Once I did regain my senses as I was looking at the Internet, I did start wondering, what does this mean for the Dark Knight? You know, they're done doing all their shooting, but what does it mean for a sequel? Yeah, I mean, do they recast or do they just write the character off? Right, I mean, we of course, the Dark Knight isn't out yet, so we don't know how it ends. We don't even know if the Joker's going to live through it. Exactly, they could pull a Batman, uh, you know, from 1989 and kill the Joker. I think that would be a big mistake, but maybe Likewise. that's their plan all along. Maybe the Joker gets caught and he ends up in Arkham. And if that's the case, that's perfect. Then you mention him once or twice in the second film. Acknowledge that he's still alive. Or in the third film, I should say. I meant to say second sequel. 
acknowledge that he's still alive in the film's universe, but we just never see him again. Don't recast it. Don't recast it at all. It's just, he's alive somewhere in Arkham, maybe he's on the loose, but we just don't see him in that third film. I honestly think that's how they should do it. Even if it means they have to reshoot a scene or two at the end of this film. You know, like, let's say the Joker did uh, get away. You know, maybe they should just say, okay, instead of letting him get away where he's still sort of out there, let's just say he was caught, and he's in Arkham, and he's sedated. And that explains why we don't see him in the third film, because he's so heavily sedated. You see what I'm saying? There's... There's enough time for them to be able to go back and fix any problems this may cause for future films. And like I said, I know that's not what we should be talking about. We should be talking about him leaving a, a daughter behind and, and all this and that, but we're fans. This is what we're going to think about. Yeah, I would be remiss if I didn't admit that I thought about that almost immediately after I read the, the fir- I first read it in, the, in my classroom. Mm-hmm. So, but, you know, that's just the fanboy in me. Oh, man. So, that sucks. It really does. I mean, it, I know. I, he, he really was becoming one of my favorite actors. Absolutely. Um, I loved him in Brokeback Mountain. Yes, I ten, can admit that I saw Brokeback Mountain people. Get over it. <laughs> I loved him in Ten Things I Hate About You. See, I didn't even know he was in that. I didn't see that. So, But I, I, I had no clue. When I saw that in his biography, I was like, holy shit. Modern Day Taming of the Shrew. Hmm. Great. Great. It was really a great movie okay. for what it was. I remember seeing him, I think the earliest thing I ever saw him in was The Order. And that was a pretty bad movie. I didn't see The Order. I did see A Knight's Tale, though, which I thought was pretty fun, too. Which one was that? Uh, That was one where uh, Jeffrey Chaucer is, is like, more or less kind of narrating it, but not really. It's about uh, him being a a, a common citizen in uh, Britain who wants to become a knight. Okay. For some reason, I was confusing that with a time travel movie. I thought I remember there being a time travel time, movie. Time Machine? No, 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 no. This was from about the same time as A Knight's Tale, maybe a year or two before that, where there was a scientist who invented like a time machine that was like a watch. He got sucked back in time, and his son and I think some friends went back in time to go save him, and I think they ended up in medieval times. So I was, for some reason, I was thinking this was that movie. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought Heath Ledger was playing the son, but I guess I guess that's not the case. <laughs> oh. But yeah, the more I think about it, I remember seeing the commercials for A Knight's Tale, and it's like, no, that that was a completely different movie. <laughs> yeah. Well. Anyways, but. Um, but yeah, I mean, he was really starting to come into his own. I mean, he was still the heartthrob, but he was moving past that. He was really, I think, he was taking the Leonardo DiCaprio turn for the better. Exactly. Exactly. He wasn't taking parts just to play the hot young stud in the film. He was starting to take parts that allowed him to actually show his acting chops. Because this man had them. And now that he's gone, we'll we'll never see what he could have done. And that pisses me off so much. So much. And not just because he was going to play the Joker. Because, like I said, I really liked him in Brokeback Mountain, and I wanted to see what else he could do down the line, superhero, film, or otherwise. Especially if you take into account, if you believe what they said about how he took the Joker uh, and made him his own, his own character by studying him, uh, basically putting himself in that kind of mentality every day, mm-hmm. which I pray to, you know, whatever deity out there uh, isn't what caused him maybe to uh, 
to die is because right. the, him, you know, uh, st- stressing his body out by trying to take, t- you know, be- become the character too much. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, no, I, I know stressing exactly. Stressing himself out. So I hope that didn't contribute to if you know if it was just his heart gave out or something to that of that nature. I hope that didn't contribute to it. Is all I'm trying to say. Yeah, I mean, I'm really hoping it comes out that it, he had a heart condition that he never knew about. Because seems really, to be cropping up a lot more. It seems like nowadays with like athletes and actors and, right. and just people in the entertainment industries. Right. I mean, I, I'm so hoping that this wasn't a suicide, that it wasn't an accidental overdose, that it was just nature. It was just nature saying, sorry, Charlie, you got to go. Because um, it's just, it's going to taint his his legacy, his short legacy at that, but it's, it's going to taint it nonetheless. And I don't, I don't want to see that happen to him. I don't want to see that happen to any actor. So, like I said, I'd rather have it be just... And hell, maybe it was a medical condition he knew about, and he just he was able to keep from the paparazzi. You know, he maybe they, they never went into his medical records. I don't know, you know. But whatever, I'm hoping it was a natural thing, and it wasn't drugs, it wasn't anything else, you know. This is a depressing show so far. <laughs> Jesus Christ, this is our 20th show. We're supposed to be... Oh, but don't but don't worry, folks. We, plenty of laughs are in store for you. We assure you. Oh, yeah. But uh, but I will say that on a uh, on a positive note, I'm I, before and before my laptop died, I'm glad to have gotten that music video done. Oh my god! Oh that my thing, god! That, you would have lost that. That was stressing me out just mm-hmm. by itself, just not have, being able to get that done and all the problems I was having with it. But the fact that I was able to get it done is just. It, it, it was like one of the few lucky things that's happened to me in the last month and a half. That looks good. I know I told you via email, but that really looks good, my friend. Thank you. So, yeah, if you guys want to see it, head on over to uh, earth2.net this Thursday, and it's called uh, Symphony and Animatalica. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> part three. It'll be hitting the main page probably about noon central time. Um, it'll be up there on the main page all day, and then... Um, you know, as new things are posted, it'll get slowly bumped down, but it will, of course, be in the archives, too, which you can find over on the left-hand side of that page. It's a really great video. Do you want to kind of sum it up for our listeners, let them know what, you know, what music you used, what anime you used? So, you know, kind of as a teaser. Yeah, I used, let's see, if I don't know. If you read Kellen's and my uh, Fall of Genion article a couple months ago, uh, one of the animes we we actually briefly discussed, and it was called When They Cry, or Higurashi. Uh, that's one of the animes I'm using. I unfortunately got cut off with the fall of Genion because they mismanaged themselves into financial hell. Uh, and then I'm using, for, for the second uh, part of the video, oh, I should say the, the song I'm using is the fifth song from the, the uh, S&M uh, Metallica San Francisco Orchestra album, uh, The Thing That Should Not Be. And then after that will be fueled onto the wildly uh, popular, well-known anime movie Akira. So, you know, that's uh, it's. I really, really dig how it came out uh, because it's a lot better picture quality than you know, I. You know how much I've I I love the first volume of the series that I've done. Right. But and I do have a better quality video of that. But the one you know the one I'm. On, on the website itself right now is is not bad at all the picture quality but this one that's coming out Thursday 
crystal clear picture quality, which adds so much to it. And then I've tried a few new things, just a new, some new splicing techniques with what little I have to, to use on my video editing program. But um, I'm, for, I'm really happy with how it came out. And you know me, I don't like to toot my own horn about my own stuff. I really don't. <laughs> so I'm pretty excited with how it came out. Well, I'll do it for you because, I mean, it was... I was excited as I was, I was as I was watching it, um, especially near the end. Very violent, I should say. That's oh, all. That's yeah. the only other thing I'm going to say. Yeah, the first. I mean, the the, the back half with Akira, not so much. In, and that's it. Actually, violence. a pretty and that's actually a pretty violent movie in and of itself. Right, but, but compared to you know the, the 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 front half, oh my god, that is bloody. What what the hell is going on in that anime? Everybody's killing everybody. It's it's incredibly hard to explain. It would take me hours just to try to explain it. I, I'm not even going to try. <laughs> just you just have to uh, trust me in the fact. All I'm going to say is everybody in the in this little town where the man, anime takes place is are demons except for one one kid. I mean, that's it, about it. It, it. It's like Murder She Wrote. If you think about Murder She Wrote, everybody in that damn town that she lived in was either a murderer or an accessory to murder. And that's yeah. what I was thinking as I was watching this video. I'm like. Everybody's got a knife or an axe or or something. A baseball yeah, bat. <laughs> something that they're killing someone with, and it's it's just brutal. So if you people are you know not too keen on bloody cartoon violence, okay, then you may not want to download it. But I I still recommend that you do. It's 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 a really great video, James. It really is. But we thank should you, also warn you. our listeners that um, it's a large file because of the the, the picture quality. The picture quality. I think it's. <laughs> 200 and something odd it's like megabytes. 230 megs. So that's a big yeah. one compared, especially compared to your last ones, which were like 50, maybe 70. I think 70, I think 79 and 36 okay, respectively. Yeah. But. So yeah, this, this one's a bit bigger, people. But yeah, it, it's definitely worth the download. Like I said, earth2.net on Thursday, you'll be able to see that. Oh, so anyways, as I was saying a little bit earlier, uh, of course, this is episode 20. This is awesome. I know. You know I, I never, you know, a half a year ago when we started this, I never, it's really, it's still hard to picture 20 episodes into the future. Mm-hmm. Or, or, you know, even, sometimes even 10 episodes into the future, because you never know what's in store. Right. And it's really cool to be here at mm-hmm. this point with ending, you know, basically sending off Batman the Animated Series. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is... I don't know. I, I I don't know. I'm kind of I'm kind of overwhelmed here because I have I have mixed feelings because you know I'm happy you know hit a milestone episode twenty, um, but at the same time we're leaving Batman the animated series behind, which gives me more mixed feelings because I am glad to see it go because that means we can move on to new characters, but I'm sad all the same because you know th- this is the only thing I can equate it to I guess would be. It's got to be like uh, watching your kid take his first step. Not that I would know, considering I don't have children and will never have children. But what I'm—we <laughs> have the parents in the audience going, "What the fuck is Mike getting at?" Okay, what I'm getting at is we're the, the show is changing, is what's happening, and that's you know when a baby takes its first step, it's it's changing, it's growing up, and I think that's what's happening to the show here. We're leaving something behind. And and moving forward, this is so not coming out the way I was. No, no, no. I had it in my head, and it's not coming out the way it's supposed to. You know what I would equate it to is you're seeing your kid sending your kid off to college out of state, and you won't, you know, you won't, you're, you're, 
you know, you're sending them off. You're not going to see them again for a while. And, you know, in this case, we're not going to see these characters for a little while. So, you know, it's kind of analogous there. Okay, there we go. That, that's that's pretty much better. Yeah, that, that's a lot better than what I was trying to get out. Like I said, I had something in my head, and it just wasn't coming out of my mouth. Oh, oh I'm sure I'm sure they know what you were trying to say. <laughs> no, they're all shaking their heads, going, "No, no, we have no fucking clue." Um, oh, okay. But like I said, it's 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 you know, it's sad to leave the characters behind, but it's it's fun to look forward to to what's coming up. That being Superman, and then in a short while, we're going to get back to Batman, and we're going to get a new Robin, and. You know, we get a new animation style. And then after that, we're going to get some more new characters. I mean, I'm really looking forward to that. But again, yeah, it's definitely sad to, to be to be uh, changing yeah. things, so to speak. Yeah, I feel exactly the same way. Mm-hmm. Just, But I am ex- I'm excited about this episode uh, in particular because we've got a ton of emails. Oh, yeah. Uh, we've got... Thank you uh, for sending those in, people. Thank you yes, very much. Yes, indeed. Don't, 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 don't say the next thing you were going to say. Don't spoil that yet. Oh, okay. Don't spoil yeah. I'm glad you stopped me then. Yeah. Well, I just would have edited it out. Wait. That's all. Okay. Well, we got we have a uh, special treat for you, shall oh, we yes. say, a- oh, after yes. email after we read the emails. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, let's see. What are we going to do on today's episode, Mike? We're gonna we're gonna go over some of our favorite moments and mm-hmm. episodes. We're gonna regrade a few episodes. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe uh you know re- uh call back some of our favorite characters. Cough, Captain Clown. Cough. <laughs> Oh, we should just—you uh, should just change the name of this to the Captain Clown Cast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, okay. Do you want to just jump right into the emails then? Yeah, let's do that. Okay. Let's see. Our first one today is from Kaylee. Writes, "Hey guys, I just found your podcast at the beginning of December, and while I'm a bit behind, I wanted to write and give you some feedback and ask a question or two. Forgive me if my questions have been answered in more recent podcasts. I've been listening through episode 11 so far." Let me give you some personal background info. I'm a huge DCAU fan and read most of the Batman comics monthly. I also teach a film, comics, and animation course aimed at gifted high school students. Very cool. And have contributed a number of film reviews for a local newspaper. Anyway, I've enjoyed listening to your commentary for BTAS episodes so far. I especially like the comic Easter eggs you point out and the knowledge of Batman comics continuity you apply to your critiques. Thank you also for the time in putting together the podcast. I have the luxury of listening to your shows in segments, but I'm guessing you record it in one sitting. A big commitment. Sometimes I think you are too quick to assign intent to homages or similarity in character. For instance, when I watched the first Clayface episode, I never got any homosexual vibes from the antagonist and his friend. That's because you weren't looking hard enough. Clearly. (laughs) (laughs) Similarly, I don't think the fight scene described in episode 11 is intended to be symbolic of the Adam West show. That's because you're wrong. Yeah, I have to agree, sorry. (laughs) Influenced by perhaps, but not necessarily intentional. Of course, these are your opinions and certainly have merit. No, that's fact. Yeah, it it really is. Um, The same applies to the homosexual Clayface and an abusive Lloyd Ventrix, who... uh, You'll remember from uh, Seen No Evil. Right, the Invisible Man. Dave, Dave Smith, archivist for the Walt Disney Company, has a quote that applies to jokes hidden throughout the theme parks. Despite the abundance of sight gags and puns, Mr. Smith says sometimes a crate is just a crate. Okay, I want, I want to interrupt here. Of course, I'm, I'm okay. joking around here when I'm telling her she's wrong and, when, and all this and that. Um, you know, what you have to remember is that when we're just stating our opinion, that that's all we're doing. We... We, we are never stating that what's going on with Clayface and his assistant 
is fact. We're not saying that's what Deanie and Tim and the animators and everybody on their crew meant. We're just saying, you know, okay, the the best... The that's what it comes off as. What? Oh, I'm, so, I'm sorry, I was just jumping in there. No, what, what, what do you mean? What do you mean? Like, say, the, uh, you know, the, uh, uh, Clayface, uh, and his, you know, roommate or whatever, his, what, what was he? he was his, like, assistant, yeah. assistant, yeah. Yeah, right. Um, you know, sometimes it's, maybe that's just what it comes off as to us, is that maybe, maybe he, he they were in a homosexual relationship. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure in, that they weren't purposely intending to just, you know, blatantly throw that out there, but to me, at least, and I'm sure Mike would agree with this, that's what it, it would seem from the, you know, everything, you take it all as a whole, the pink shirts, the the clingy attitude, the abusive relationship, you know, right. just take it for what it is. Yeah, when you look at it together, it provides an, it provides, like, a new image. You know, if you just look at the pink shirt, oh, he's just wearing a pink shirt. If you just look at the abusive relationship, oh, Hagen's just a bastard. You know, but when you really start piecing it together, you come up with something that might be something else. And when I, you know, I responded to this email um, almost almost as soon as I got it. But I'm going to uh, repeat something I said in that email right here. You know, when you look at literature, and I know, James, you can appreciate this. When you look at literature, sometimes, especially when you're in class, you're asked to analyze it. You know, like, let's say we're looking at a book and there's a red door. Does the red door symbolize something? Or does it simply mean that the author liked the color red? You understand where I'm coming from here. Is that door supposed to, like, let's say uh, behind that door is uh, uh, a young girl, 16, 17 years old. She's just coming into her sexuality. Is that red meant to imply some sort of Passion. passion, sexuality, things like that? If there's an abusive relationship going on behind that door, is it supposed to imply violence and blood and anger? Again, or did the author just like the color red? Without having the author right there next to you to say, oh no, I just like the color red, or oh no, this is what I really meant, you, you, all you can do is interpret and then try to back up your arguments. And I think James and I do a pretty good job of that. When we say, oh, Hagen and his assistant are gay, we just don't leave it at that. We throw all our evidence out there and we leave it up to you guys to then say, you know what, they're wrong, or they might have a point. So when it comes to things like that, please don't ever think we're stating it as absolute fact. That's not what we're doing here. Again, it's just our opinion. Except for Adam West. <laughs> um, <clears throat> Sorry. No problem. Um, so, so, yeah, when it comes to that, again, just our opinions. Now, when it comes to the homages, those, at least when it comes to me, I'm, an, I'm only speaking for myself here, James, I do state as fact. Because when you... Uh, see the police drive by, you know, Adam Street, especially not just drive by it, but when they say, you know, there's a crime going on at Fifth and Adams, I know for a fact that they're referring to Neil Adams. If they talk about the Kane building, well, that's Bob Kane, the creator of Batman. If they talk about Finger Bridge, that's, which they never did. I'm just making things up here, okay? Well, but, the, Redom- the whole Radomski acquit- or acquitted or arrested in Mask of the Phantasm. Right. In the newspaper. We know that's Eric Radomski. Right. When it comes to the homages, I am stating for a fact that I know I'm right. But again, the the other things, the things we're interpreting, just our opinions. Okay. So, continuing the email, 
my only other nitpick is your application of scores, which of course you may do however you please. However, I think sometimes you reduce or add to your scores based on a single point, i.e. plot nit- nitpick, superb action, scene, poor voice actor, etc. In my opinion, these scores should be a reflection of the episode as a whole. In other words, if you initially gave the episode an 8, and then through discussion feel that observed nitpicks or flaws reduce the overall evaluation, that's fine. But if you say because of this one thing, I'm giving it a 7, does that mean if you found two nagging issues, would it get a 6? Let me, I'll jump in here. Go right ahead. Um, No, of course not. What we do, when we have to lower, we lower our grade, uh, it's usually because of something that's pretty darn glaring. If to lower to lower it a point or more, it's got to be something that's pretty pretty damn just blatant, blatant something blatantly wrong with the episode. Am I am I right? Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, let's see. She goes on to say, does one discussed issue, if it's a small plot problem, for instance, equal one tenth of the overall score? Well, like I said a, a second ago, it depends on how that affects the plot. Uh, if it or the character development or something else to that nature, it it does affect the episode as a whole. If it's that big, right. like uh, uh, I'm trying to think of an example here off the top of my head, and I'm just drawing a blank well, right now. I can now. do the opposite. Instead of subtracting, I can do adding. When we covered Sub Zero, remember I added a point, a full point, because they made Dick Grayson look like a total badass. You see what I'm saying there? And I w- well, see, I wouldn't have given I wouldn't have given you any grief if you up, uh, upped it two points for that because it was so prevalent throughout the entire movie. Right. So, and I'm trying to think of it the other way too. I mean, sometimes you know, okay, when it comes to our scoring, I, I know how I do it, and I think I know how you do it, James. I mean, we really think about the, our scores. It's not arbitrary. It's not like we watch an episode and then just jot down a number and go, that's the score, and then just leave it at that. There's no way either of us are doing that. We really think about, you know, the animation, the music, the voice acting, the plot, any plot holes, and we, we, we then put it all together. We look at our notes, and we go, okay, you know, it was a good episode, but there were a couple of flaws in logic. So because of that, it does have to come down a point. And that's what you're hearing on the show. That's exactly you, what you're hearing. Go ahead. I, I'll give you a prime example. Mm-hmm. Going back to that hideous episode, The Terrible Trio, you know, we we pointed out, like, what, two things there that we kind of sort of liked? Like the Robin throwing, Rob, you know, Robin was throwing an R right. instead of a batarang. And then my little... Uh, personal laugh at the end of the episode, but, you know, those are very, 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 very minor things, and they didn't add a point. We didn't add a point or a half a point to the episode Mm -hmm. because of that. It got a zero. Right. Because the whole episode was just abysmal. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's that's all I'll say on that. Right, exactly. Either way, positive or negative, it has to be something big for us to say it's coming down or going up a point because of it. Again, we're just not dashing off our points, our our scores, and, and leaving it at that. We really do think about these. Okay, and final part to the email. Uh, just two quick questions. Why do you refer to the new Batman Adventures as Gotham Knights? To my knowledge, this has never been officially used anywhere, and from what I've read, Bruce Timm is adamant that Gotham Knights is not the real title. I'm just curious if you prefer that title or if it's for clarity's sake. Not a big deal, just wondering. And we've addressed this before. Right, uh, she of course said she was a new listener. Right, so, um, right. Where did we... I want to say that was around... Episode 11, uh, 12? Yeah, somewhere around there. Yeah, go back and listen to around there. If you've been keeping up with the with the show and listening to the to the back episodes. You, you've if you're around episode there. 11, you're going to get to it very soon, yeah, probably. Yeah, we, we do address it there, so I don't think we need to go into it again. 
Um, okay, and number two, I'm interested in hearing your reviews for the Teen Titans, but I'm curious as to your reasons for including them in canon. Well, I think there are there that there are many reasons to not include them, as well as some reasons too. The biggest is animation style, which to me doesn't seem consistent. Again, my opinion. And this is again is something we've you know, uh, we've harped upon countless times, so we don't need to go into it again here. I just I just want to respond to the thing about animation, and it really boils down to this: if you look at just the animation and say, well, the Teen Titans isn't consistent with the Superman, Batman Beyond, Justice League animation, then does that mean Batman the Animated Series doesn't count because it's not consistent with Superman, Batman Beyond, Gotham Knights, Justice League, and all those shows? You see where I'm coming from? Uh, Justice League in and of itself was just a completely new animation style. Yeah, I've, I've heard other people make this argument that because it's in an anime style, that must mean it doesn't count. No, no, no. Mm Mm-hmm. Thanks again for your time and making me rewatch some of these episodes with a new viewpoint. Kaylee, thank you. And our next one is from Eric, who writes, Hey guys, great episode. I was upset at myself for not being able to find my copy of this film, that being uh, Batman and Mr. Freeze Sub-Zero. But through memory and your comments, I was able to respond on the forums. Now that there are a couple of points I wanted to let you, uh, let you know on, for one, Melissa Gilbert, Darlene Roseanne, played the voice of Batgirl in the original series, and Tara Strong took over in Gotham Knights, uh, in the Gotham Knights revamp. So this is the act- the, just the actress's only performance as Barbara slash Batgirl. Also, Robin's attitude in this episode, or in this movie, is, in my opinion, is some of the, some more foreshadowing of what will happen in Old Wounds. Sure. He's becoming exactly he's becoming more and more fed up with Batman these days, and becoming more and more his Nightwing persona. I don't think it's too much longer before the story in Old Wounds will happen. I also believe that Batman has always known that Barbara is Batgirl. Remember, in her debut episode as Batgirl, she asked Batman to come to the rally and help support her father's innocence. When Batman says no, suddenly Batgirl appears just to appear at the rally. Batman, being a great detective, would have figured that out right then and there. That's an awesome point. Because mm-hmm. I, I that never dawned on me. Did it ever dawn on you? Nope. Yeah, so... I didn't even think about it. Excellent point there, Eric. <laughs> Also, Mr. Freeze has been in the Arctic long enough to even train wild animals like pets, so it's been a while since he has even uh, looked at research cons- uh, concerning a treatment for Nora's condition. Perhaps medical advances have come a long way since Heart of Ice. And after all, and Mr. Freeze, after all, put Nora in the cryogenic state for that reason so she can live until the cure was found. In the Gotham Knights series, Mr. Freeze does mention that he tried to see Nora and she was appalled at all the evil he had done, and I believe she was even remarried. With Mr. Freeze already on the brink of being completely cold to emotion, that he just completely fell through the hole there. Nora was also his only means for emotion. When she rejected him, there was just nothing left. I also wanted to respond to my question or suggestion on the Static Shock Zeta Project thing. I enjoyed Static Shock. I just wasn't able to watch all the episodes. I do plan to pick up the pick the DVDs up. Was, you know, were, were there any Static Shock DVDs? Um, there. I'm not. There aren't any that I'm aware of. There have never been DVD sets, but there might be individual. DVDs with like three episodes or four episodes. Oh yeah. Um, but finding those is going to be really hard because again, I'm not even sure they exist, but I th- I think they yeah. might. But I- I'm really thinking we're going to see Zeta Project and Static Shock on DVD very soon because Teen Titans season five is going to come out on DVD within the next couple of months. Once that happens there's no more DCAU cartoons to release on DVD. So they're going to, Warner Brothers, they're going to want to go back to the well, and they're going to go, okay, well, what can we release? Oh, we have these other things that are in continuity that we can release. So we'll see them on DVD, eventually. Okay. 
um, concerning that. I'm hoping they release the Zeta Project by the time you get to them. I'm the type that when I buy a TV series, I buy all the spinoffs, regardless of whether I like them or not. <laughs> Remember 21 Jump Street? Well, I have that show, and I'm waiting patiently for Booker, <laughs> although the series wasn't all that good. <laughs> oh, you, you poor, poor man. Uh, you mentioned the Dark Knight Chronicles being a collection of all the Batman stories in chronological order. Well, there is there's also the DC Archives, which features like two years' worth of comics. There's, they're a little more expensive, but they're worth it. I'm a completist, so getting these will help me get into comics even more. Okay, let me just jump in there real quick, okay? The reason I prefer the soft-cover uh, Batman Chronicles, or whatever they're called, I think that's it, is because... Again, they're, they're less expensive, and they put the stories in chronological order. I don't know if the archives do that. I mean, the archives are great. It's a better paper quality. You know, it, the, 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 those old pages look better um, because it's as glossier paper. But they're, they're really expensive hardcovers, extremely expensive, especially when you compare them to these $10, $11 books that you can get. You know, they're, they're the same story, so why not pay less, really? Yeah. Off topic, did you hear the good news, at least for me, Superboy Season 2 is going to be released soon, or at least that's what Ilias uh, Salkins has said, with commentaries, featurettes, etc. Keep up the good work, and have a great week. That's a surprise to me, too, because uh, DC slash Warner Brothers is in some... Uh, they're, they're trying to disavow Superboy, because they're having some legal troubles with... Uh, the family of the creator of Superboy. So I was under the impression that they're like, no, Superboy doesn't exist, because if they make money off that character, then that's money that could eventually go to the family's pockets. You see what I'm saying? Right. But whatever, they're releasing it, so that's great for fans of that series. Okay, our next one is from Chris. writes, hey guys, in Harley's Holiday, I'll take a stab at Scarecrow's bizarre behavior. This is a guy who keeps working with chemicals that affect fear and emotions. Maybe he was exposed to his latest batch when Batman caught him. I think this his next effort was the de-inhibitor that, that removed fear as uh, from the episode Never Fear in Gotham Knights. Maybe it was a trial batch of that. And another continuity update... I think it was Mike who, in Harlequinade, questioned them letting Harley out in return for capturing the Joker. Maybe this was why. She was already pretty close, so they th- they thought they'd take a chance. Plus, I'd rather let Harley free to capture the Joker than vice versa. I think our problem with that was that they just did that in trial, just inverted. Anyway, about Mike's comment that Harley will never have a normal life, it could happen. She could pretend to be dead, change her name, get married, have kids, maybe even have a pair of twin granddaughters. I could see that. Wow, you know, I am ashamed for not recognizing that because if you if you haven't seen it, it's from Return of the Joker, which is the greatest thing ever. And I'm ashamed of myself for having not thought of that at the time. Touche, uh, touche. Yeah, he really got us there. Yeah, big time. Oh, and Dick Miller, who voiced Boxy Bennett, was mentioned. He had a recurring role as Fosnite, an informant for Barry Allen on The Flash. He also played Mike Lane, Lois's uncle on Lois and Clark, and returned to the DCAU as Oberon in The Ties That Bind, the Justice League Unlimited episode. Cool. Very cool. Our next email is from Monica. She writes, Well, guys, all the episodes of BTAS were amazing and funny, It's so it's difficult to cho- uh, choose the best. For me, it has to be all the craziest explanations, Batman's psychic powers to find clues, <laughs> to call the thunder like Thor being friends with Storm and Mystique. <laughs> 
saying that, my crazy explanation for Veronica Vreeland's look in Sub-Zero is she's not Veronica. She's the new ventriloquist. That's how she was able to talk without her mouth moving, and she's blonde or maybe not. <laughs> anyway, looking forward to your review of Superman. That's not a bad point, because in the current run of Detective Comics, there's a new blonde ventriloquist. The old ventriloquist has been murdered, and there's a new blonde ventriloquist running around. So maybe that's who it was. There we go. <laughs> Baldini, Thank you, Ms. who's yes. writing that character over in Detective, maybe he introduced her, you know, 10, 12 years earlier in this movie, just pretending that it was, you know, Veronica Reeland. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Miss Munoz. Our next one is from Mindy. She writes, hey, Mike and John. <clears throat> <laughs> Look, I don't know anybody named John Doe, so I mean, I know that's maybe that's uh, a popular myth, but I don't know John Doe. Anyway, she writes, no, 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 no. You're totally wrong about that book, this being the Batman the Ultimate Evil. Yes, I screwed it's, up. I really did screw up. It started, out, it started out as a novel, Batman the Ultimate Evil, by Andrew Vox. It is a book on tape, and it is a graphic novel that comes in two parts. I know, because I have every one. I wasn't looking for it, it just happened that way. Okay, spoiler alert. So you all, so all you people that don't want to know the story, put your fingers in your ears and start saying, la 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 la. Bruce starts working with a member of Child Protective Services. This prompts Alfred to give him a journal that his mom wrote. Turns out that his mom was working undercover to try to stop child prostitution by linking it to organized crime. And that was the real reason the Waynes were murdered. Martha was too much of a threat. Yeah, that's a powerful moment when he finds out. So my mom was a crime fighter. A crime fighter with a secret identity. This leads him to the south, to Southeast Asia, where, teamed with the local rebels, and then later on the local townsfolk, and they destroy the child sex tourism trade. Then he goes back to Gotham with a renewed sense of determination of helping children. It's much darker and poetic than the way I described it, and it even ends in in the book and book on tape with the report of, of the actual sex tourism trade and how it should be stopped. Batman is fiction. The ultimate evil is not. So that's the ultimate evil in a nutshell. The Landmines one was a very different story. Yes, I, like I said, I completely screwed up. The Landmine story is actually Batman, Death of Innocence. Uh, so sorry about that. Thank you for correcting me, Mindy. Okay. Oh, and, and FYI, I, I jokingly responded to Mindy in email form, and I was like, John, John. <laughs> and she was like, oh, my God. So she apologized for getting your name. <laughs> <laughs> it's cool. It's cool. Our next one is from Derek. Writes, Guten Tag, James and Michael. I discovered your podcast a couple weeks ago, and I finally caught up with the last episode. Uh, covering Sub-Zero. So, short-time listener, first-time emailer. First, I bow down to your podcast supremacy. I don't have a child yet that I know of, but a couple of goddaughters, one of, who, one of whom is a precocious two years old and almost ready to read. I'm already thinking of which Kitty comics uh, to read with her. I don't know if it exists, but I think I can get her into comics if there's something with <sighs> Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> His shudder, not mine. Green Lantern will have to wait behind the power of Eeyore right now. Okay, let me interject. If you want Kids, kids, whoa, if you want comics for kids is what I meant to say. Okay, DC has a line called the Johnny DC line. There's Teen Titans Go. It's a spinoff of the Teen Titans cartoon. There's Tiny Titans. That's going to launch, I believe, in February. Basically, imagine the Teen Titans as kindergartners. It's going to be hilarious. It's absolutely going to rock your world. <laughs> they also have tie-ins to the Batman cartoon. They have uh, Scooby-Doo comics. They have uh, uh, Cartoon Network comics. And I know there's some more that are uh, slipping uh 
my mind right now. Marvel has Marvel Adventures. Uh, Marvel Adventures Spider-Man, Marvel Adventures Fantastic Four, The Hulk, Iron Man. Those are all great comics for young readers. But if you want to get someone who's like two, three years old into comics, save those comics, the Marvel Adventures one, until they're like five or six. For the younger ones, get them the Power Pack comic books. We've had uh, Iron Man meets the Power Pack. That's going on right now. These are all four-issue miniseries, by the way. Um, the Fantastic Four meet the Power Pack. The X-Men meet the Power Pack. Spider-Man meet the Power Pack. And coming out in, I want to say, March. Yes, March. Is Power Pack Day One. What they're doing is, is they're going back and they're going to retell the Power Pack's origin so it fits into continuity with these new Power Pack stories. Now, don't freak out uh, with me saying continuity, okay? The continuity is just there for older readers like me who happen to like to read these uh, books that are meant for a younger audience. The little kids, though, they're going to ignore the continuity, and they're just going to like the bright colors, the great drawings, the, the funny stories. So if you want to read them along with any young children, you're going to get a kick out of them, and you're going to take something else away from them, that being the continuity. And the kids, as I said, they're absolutely going to go gaga over them because, I mean, they're just bright, colorful books. If you want other books for... Uh, younger readers, and you don't mind going beyond the Marvel shelf and the DC shelf, check out, um, I think it's called Corgi. Uh, check out Owly. Um, I was going to say, I was hoping you'd mention Owly. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> if, if I didn't mention Owly, I think Jenny would wake up and slap me in the back of the head. Check out Oddly Normal. Um, shoot. I check out, if you, if you, uh, if you have like, if you ever owned a Sega Genesis, check out the Sonic the Hedgehog comics. Yes. They're actually really, really good. Yes, those are still being published by Archie, and there you go. The Archie comics are good for younger readers too. They're wholesome. They're absolutely wholesome. You can get an, the, like the Archie's Digest at you know your local grocery store for just a couple of bucks, and it's this thick comic. You, you get like I don't know, sixty-four pages of story for a couple of bucks for a kid. You, you can't. You just can't pass that by. And I'm trying to think of any more comics that might be great for younger readers. I mean, James, are there any young ages manga that would be good? Um, check out, if you want to get manga for, I guess I'd say 10 and under, check out uh, Cardcaptor Sakura. Uh, check out, oh man, God, there's one on the tip of my tongue and I just can't think of it off the top. You know, off the top of my head now, but uh, yeah, ch uh, definitely, definitely try uh, the Card Captor Sakura route. It's a very popular anime slash manga. Uh, they have heavily edited episodes of the anime over in, in here in America because there are some adult, some adult-ish themes, kind of like they did with the Sailor Moon series. Um, I would recommend the Sailor Moon series for a younger uh, audience, uh, except that they they don't they're not in, in uh, they're not being published anymore. They're, they've been long since uh, out of uh, out of con or what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, out of print. Um, but yeah, you know, off the top of my head, it's it's hard for me to think of a lot of uh, younger younger viewer ready manga because I don't really pay attention to them all that right, much. Yeah. But yeah, um, if I do think of some, and I'm I'm gonna go do this uh, later. I'll just go look on uh, a couple of. Uh, Check out just check out the, their websites, the uh, pub, manga publishers' websites. There's Tokyo Pop. There's um, 
what's another one I'm trying to think of the top of my head here? I'm sorry, my my memory is failing <laughs> me here horribly. But um, what I'll do is I'll go and look. I'll go look at these websites because as soon as I get off, as soon as I stop recording, I'll remember them. Yeah. And I'll go check them out. And on a future episode of this, I will uh, kind of re-respond to this email and and give you some suggestions. Cool. There, there's two more I want to throw out there. Um, these are uh, really thick collections. They're about $25, $30, but they're great, especially for kids. They're called, I think they're called Harvey Comics Classics or something like that. They're put out by Dark Horse Comics, and there's been, I think, two volumes so far. The first one is Casper the Friendly Ghost. I mean, these they're reprinting comics from the 50s. They are wonderful. I love them so much. And then the other one is Richie Rich. I believe that's volume two. So you might want to check those out, too. I mean, Richie Rich and Casper, absolutely kid-friendly. So oh, there's a along those lines. There's a Sabina the Teenage Witch comic book series out too. I think that's I think that might be Archie. That's definitely Archie. Yeah. So yeah, that's there's another one right there. Yeah. So you know, if there's anybody out there that ever wants to know, you know, what comics they should be reading, what comics they should be giving to uh, a relative of theirs who's of a certain age, always feel free to write in, and I'll be more than happy to either answer you on the air or an email. Because as you saw. Yep. I mean, I can just rattle off a bunch of comics pretty much off the top of my head. <laughs> yeah, and if you like, if you have uh, younger teen uh, readers or maybe 13, 14, 15-year-olds, I can recommend dozens of, of manga yeah. for you. That It's just the uh, the kid, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of hard to find uh, manga for kids because it's not a huge market. Right. But they are out there, though. So, let's see, he goes on to say, I think my favorite moment of the podcast is actually last episode, when both of you publicly embraced your inner nerd. Don't we always do that? I thought we've been doing it since the first episode of this show, and frankly, I think I've been doing since it we... since I launched Earth2.net the show, and I think I've been doing it since <laughs> I launched Earth2.net, and I think I've been doing it since I was two. So, <laughs> Yep. Mm. And I'm all f- I'm all for it. And my wife and I both have wedding rings that have I heart a nerd engraved <laughs> on them. That is awesome. Yes. <laughs> that really so. is cheesy. I no, know, but it works. Awesome. It's it's really it's really cool. Uh, my second favorite moment is when you were reviewing a bad episode. I think make them laugh. And James made a reference to the critic. After which Mike said, "P you." Maybe I was just imagining it, but so let me know if I'm wrong. I think we did do that though at some point, but it seems to me like it was a long. A long time ago, there, like in the first five episodes. There was some critic reference. I don't remember who made it. One of us did, but I do remember there being a reference, yes. I can't wait until you get to another bad episode and I hear, it stinks. <laughs> we need to do that. Yeah. We really do. The only episode I wish you'd reconsider is perhaps his Silicon Soul. I remember when BTAS was playing in my late high school college days, and I thought it was great. Then in the Midnight movie, they were showing one of the 1001 versions of Blade Runner. I remember... I remember the the really creepy guy who made all those freaky little robots, played by Larry, uh, from Larry, his brother Daryl, and his other brother Daryl. And I bet there's, like, <laughs> anybody who's under, like, I don't know, 20, that joke just went right over their heads. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> from the equally creepy Newhart show. <laughs> <laughs> this show was pretty fucking creepy, wasn't it? <laughs> it? It really was. Every time I watch that episode, and I've watched that or watched that episode, there's a, there I go again saying the word episode okay. when I mean something else. From the New Heart Show, I've watched that show, God, dozens of times, and every time I watch it, I'm like, <laughs> I do love the ending of that show, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you know, you saw the finale, right? 
I don't know if I saw the finale or oh, not. It's been a the, year the since I've seen an episode. Is, he wakes up in bed, and he's living with his wife from the original Bob Newhart show. What was her name? Suzanne Plachette, who just passed away. Mm-hmm. So all of that second Newhart show was a dream that the Newhart from the original Newhart show was having. It was a genius ending. Normally I don't like dream endings, but that yeah, one I Yeah, me neither. <laughs> that one I definitely liked because it didn't just, I mean, it, it called back to this whole other show. So it tied it into this other reality. And obviously we <laughs> like TV shows that connect together. Otherwise we wouldn't be doing this podcast. Exactly. Heart of Steel kind of sucked, but I think of it as a setup for the replicants who tried to take over, similar to those replicants from Blade Runner. In the first part of his Silicon Soul, where Dr. Rossum was in the greenhouse with all those creepy little robots maintaining the grounds and windows, reminded me exactly of the way those little creepy robots, not the replicants, but the doll-sized ones from his living working area, were in Blade Runner. The actor in both was William Sanderson. That was my first real fanboy moment for the DCAU. I know the second part of the episode completely blew, but maybe adding a half or a point to the episode for its long setup and homage to Blade Runner wouldn't hurt. I also wanted to suggest a couple of comics for the reader who wrote in asking about DC Comics to pick up uh, during the last episode. I know they aren't DC Comics per se, but Invincible and Walking Dead yes. are... Yes, Invincible. Woo. I got an Invincible comic sitting right here next to me. And, I, and by comic, I mean collection of like 13 episodes. Or are two of the greatest comics I've found that have a lighthearted yet complex look at superheroes. That would be Invincible, like the DCAU, or the really demented scary parts of the Joker. That would be The Walking Dead with a, f- a fair bit of carnage warning. Oh, yes. I-, I bet you guys already know of those, but I thought those were fairly new comics that have fairly cheap uh, that have fairly cheap TPBs and are easy to get into without all the history of the DC universe. Some of which I still can't understand. <laughs> I have trouble understanding the DCU, and I've been reading DC Comics since I was like five-ish years old. So, you know, that said, I don't mean to just pick on DC. I have trouble understanding Marvel continuity sometimes, especially now that a certain character sold his marriage to the devil and retconned 20 years of history. But that's a whole other, you know, we'll, we'll leave that up to a, another podcast. Maybe the Amazing Spider cast is what we'll leave that one to. <laughs> Also, I didn't think I would like them, but the Batman Chronicles from the first ever Batman stories are pretty interesting and rather funny in an ironic way. My second fanboy moment came when I was reading the old Chronicle stories and the Joker was on the Justice League series. I think the episode was Wild Cards and he healed Papa Spank. Actually, that was from Return of the Joker. Um, And it was a great moment. I rolled over laughing for about five minutes because of that obscure joke, and I can't wait until uh, WFP reviews it. Oh, neither can I. (laughs) For those of you that don't know, just Google Papa Spank, look at the image search, and you'll come up with what he's referring to, because it's it's this really weird moment in Batman history. I, I, it's, it's just crazy, so there you go. <laughs> I have one question that came up during your BTAS reviews. In The Mask of the Phantasm, my only question was, how did the police finally get back to trusting Batman after they thought he was a killer? I thought they might mention it at the, uh, at the, end, of the, epi- or at the end of the movie, or during one of the episodes, but somehow they decided he wasn't the killer after all. It could have been just briefly mentioned as a one-off line somewhere, but after they sent every cop in the city after him, and pardon my pun, but went year one on his ass, and tried to gun him down every which way, it seemed a little weird that all was cool after the movie and in later episodes. I've only seen the movie twice, once when it was first released on VHS, and again a couple years ago. So I may have missed it, but the question has always been in the back of my head. They didn't... He's right. I don't... They never did really anything. But, you know, that was one of our few gripes with Phantasm was the lack of Jim Gordon. Yeah. 
So that, you know, that really just goes in with that. If Jim Gordon alone could have just sewed that little uh, hole up. Yeah, I mean, you just have to assume that something happened off camera where Gordon was like, what the hell was that about? We we can't have that happening. Batman is a force for good. That isn't going to happen again. I mean, it would have been great to see it on screen, but you just have to assume it happened off camera. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I've enjoyed your podcast so much, and I'm getting back into all the DCAU episodes because of your podcast. I had them... Yes, woot woot. I had them all on my Amazon wish list for Christmas and birthday, five days after Christmas. Hey, my birthday, six days after Christmas, so... And I did get the first three seasons of the Teen Titans and the Teen Titans movie. I don't think I can wait until next Christmas for the other DCAU episodes, so I might have to buy some a little at a time. That's how much your podcasts have really got me back into DCAU. Well, thank you. Uh, I can't wait until you review the JLU episodes. Neither can I. Which brought me seriously into comics for the first time. At the age of 28 or 29, I was trying to identify all these cool characters I'd never seen before in my limited knowledge, like the question, and, well, frankly, everyone else. I'm going to try to go onto the forums in the next few days and try something new for me. Keep up with the wonderful work, Derek. Thank you, Derek. Our next one is from uh, Eric Curto again. He writes... It was incredibly hard to decide what was one of my favorite moments of the WFP BTAS era, so I will try to take the, the cop-out way out, the whole thing. <laughs> but if I had to choose a moment, it would be how, how very similar we sounded. I mean, how I responded and you responded exactly alike when, we, when having to watch and eventually review the terrible trio. That made me laugh. Once again, I applaud you for going through that pain just for us <laughs> listeners. It's our pleasure, sort of. Yeah. <laughs> Our next one is from Chris again, who writes, Gentlemen, I know, I know, I just emailed you yesterday, but then I had a few more things to say. It's cool, Chris. We always appreciate your emails. Uh, I had a few other comments. As to Freeze not knowing about a transplant as a cure, it could be a very new experimental trial that's not proven but has shown some promise. If I was a, if I was 2.5 million in debt and someone offered me a gold mine, I'd throw out every idea I could, I could think of too. And Belson isn't exactly a model of medical ethics. Okay, I can, true, I can go along with that. True enough. As to the issue of lead poisoning an organ donor, you can get lead poisoning from a gunshot wound, but typically it's seen if the bullets or more often shotgun pellets, are not removed. And it's seen over years, not minutes. The bigger issue would be the bleeding and shockwave-related damage to any soft organ tissue. And I'm assuming it's not a bone transplant, and bone marrow transplant is done with a living donor. James made a point about the rig being filled with oil despite being abandoned just to give a big explosion. To add to that, crude oil doesn't typically explode. It will burn, but not enough of it mixes with the air to cause a true explosion. An oil refinery might have might have had refined lighter products like gas and kerosene, but not a pumping rig. Regarding the fate of Nora Freeze, Victor Freeze's uh, condition worsens and becomes a head in Gotham Knight's cold comfort. So yeah. creepy. Ooh, yes. It wasn't made clear which happened first, but I think it was in Batman Beyond's episode Meltdown, although it may have been in cold comfort, that Dr. Lake told Victor Freeze that Nora waited for him, but eventually fell in love again and remarried, as he was presumed dead. Between the loss of his body and the loss of his wife, I think that explains why he might go around destroying others' most cherished things. Finally, I disagree with calling Freeze gullible or a lunatic. I think the best word is desperate, once again proving that his claim to have no emotions is just bluster. Did we call him gullible? I don't know. I, I remember saying that they did him a huge disservice by making him... You know, I did. I did call him gullible, now that I'm thinking about it. Um, Do you remember in what context? 
Um, I think, let's see, let me think back to this. Because um, I remember you calling him a lunatic. Oh, no, you know what it was? It was from uh, Deep Freeze, when he just, when the when the Walt Disney guy just said, oh, I've, yes. I've got a cure. That was when I called him Yo, right. I was like, why would, why would Freeze ever do that? Okay. He wouldn't. Mm-hmm. So that was that was my context in calling gullible. But uh, Chris writes once once again proving his claim to emotions has uh, having no emotions is just bluster. I get the impression he was never comfortable showing his emotions, and Nora was the only person with whom he felt comfortable showing them. And her loss is what made him bottle up the mo- those emotions. That also adds more to why he is so desperate to get her back that he doesn't even think straight sometimes. After all, if he truly had no emotions, he'd just be another nut job with a freeze gun. As to favorite moments, sorry, Mike, but this is a bit at your expense. Before the review of Terrible Trio, you talked in response to an email about how you don't want to try to cut back on swearing during reviews if you feel it's warranted. Five minutes later, when you're talking about how you felt there was a homosexual attraction between two of the members of the trio, you came up with every euphemism you could think of to avoid saying gay or homosexual. I thought the contrast was pretty entertaining. Okay, I I went back (laughs) and I listened to that moment because I have recorded so many freaking podcasts in just like the last two and a half, three years, I can't remember what I say in half of them. You know, uh, for people that don't n- listen to Earth to Net, the show, I've recorded 188 episodes of this, and this is the 20th episode of World's Finest. So I've recorded nearly 210 podcast people. It's just, oh, I, I just can't keep everything straight. So, like I said, I went back and I listened to it, and to my defense, I wasn't trying to not say gay or homosexual. I was just trying to come up with other ways to say it, if that makes sense. I, would, I think it was just, we were just trying to add comedic effect. Our next email is from Nicholas Paramonte, who writes, It was a close one, Mike and James. Been busy with my podcast. My favorite moments from your show so far were the trade paperback graphic novel tangent. I'm on, I'm on the side of the term graphic novel and Miriam's skirt banter. <laughs> On episode 17, Riddler's Reform is the best Riddler episode, delving into his uh, psyche in the series and in the comics. Edward Nigma is my favorite Bat-villain. Oh, very cool. On episode 18, Harley's Holiday was the only good review. The rest I absolutely disagreed with your opinions. Well, la-di-da. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in Lockup, you overlooked him addressing Batman being just as crazy as the rogues. Did we not address that? I don't think we did. I feel that was in my notes, which are, you know like in a recycle bin somewhere, and I don't feel like digging I know out, we, but... Uh, shit, I can't believe we didn't bring that up. Uh, I know we dealt, We talked about him being thrown into uh, prison was just exactly what he wanted, but right. I know I know we didn't talk about uh, him uh, t- you know, saying Batman was just as crazy. Mm. Oh, well. Hmm. On episode 19, I never liked Sub-Zero when I was a kid for its usage of 3D animation. Having seen it again before your review episode came, uh, review episode came out, it's good, but you can tell that they, they didn't put as much of an effort into it as Mask of the Phantasm. From the gripes you pointed out, specifically Veronica's hair color and Barbara's voice change. But I overlook it because of the film's overall theme, which is about desperation. I'm glad we're, that we're reaching the end, because I'm getting a little tired of talking <laughs> about Batman. I can't wait for you guys to start talking about Superman. Being a fan of the comics, the first movie, Superman 2, The Donner Cut, and Smallville. Our next email is from Doug, who writes, Hey guys, it's been 19 episodes, you reviewed all of the shows making BTAS, and it's been a hoot. Thank you. You, thank you. you guys always said that parents need to get their kids into comics. Yeah, uh, and he previously sent an email that I forgot to send you, James, where he spoke about, um, uh, I think it was his mom 
was reading comics and got into the DCAU. I don't quite remember the context of it. If he wants to, Doug, if you want to write in again to give us the context of that, I'll make sure we read it on the air this time. But yeah, it was either he got her into comics or she got him into comics and they're both into the DCAU because of it. Very cool. Well, me being not exactly an adult, I don't have a child to bring into comics, shock of shocks, but I do have a brother. I've gotten my five-year-old brother into comics by watching uh, Spider-Man animated series, uh, the Batman animated series, Batman Beyond, and The Batman. You've got to love TV. I have many moments from this show, including, or many of my favorite moments from this show, including Mike saying, Hey, lady, you're not wearing any panties. Thud! Aw, damn! And then James responding, Last time you'll be doing that. Your discussion of Buster the Dog's gender, the review of the terrible trio, and one thing, it seems that in every episode, James' life gets worse and worse. Listen to the first 20 minutes of this episode again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Hopefully it'll end somewhere, right? It's it's got to, it's got to. Please? Also, Mike, how can you hate the 1989 Batman movie, but have mixed feelings about the Adam West Batman series? Oh, and you guys missed some continuity. And make them laugh when Lisa Lorraine eats potato chips and watches TV. You can hear the Riddler's television ad, as seen in Riddler's Reform, playing in the background. Hmm, I didn't notice that. You know, I sort of thought I noticed it, but I wasn't 100% sure, so I didn't bring it up. But anyways, to address my disdain for the Tim Burton movie, uh, the Tim Burton Batman movie, and my mixed feelings about the Adam West Batman series, it really boils down to this. The Adam West TV series, it's not great. It's It's not. But it was Batman on TV. It was a comic book character on TV. Up to that point, to my knowledge, Batman hadn't ever been on TV, at least in live action form. Maybe he was in cartoon form. I want to say there was a 1940s There was a series. serial, but that would have been in the movies most likely. Right. That most likely would have been on the, on the silver screen. So that's a little different. I do believe this was the first live action Batman on television. So it's important because it was bringing comic book character to every household on a weekly basis. Did it ultimately do comics a disservice? Yes, it did. Because now, even to this day, when mainstream media talks about comics, oftentimes it's, they, they talk about, or their, like, their image will have like the pow symbol in it. So it makes people think that all comics are campy. So that sucks. It really does suck that it made the general populace think that. But again, it was comics on TV in the 60s. That's a big deal. That's a really big deal. So that's where I'm torn. And getting back to Batman 89, a lot of the things that people blame on Joel Schumacher, Tim Burton set up. If you look at those Schumacher films and then go back and watch those uh, Burton films, there's a lot of groundwork being laid there in Burton's films. Schumacher just turned it up to 11. So if you're going to hate on Schumacher, you have to point the finger at Burton first. You absolutely have to. But thank you all for your emails. We really appreciate yes. them. So now what we have for you, oh, this this touches my heart. It really I'm, it's. I'm not even joking here when I say this. This absolutely touches my heart. Uh, a friend of ours by the name of Ian Wilson, he sat down and he took clips from the first 19 episodes and piece them together in this very loving 10-minute segment that he narrates, basically summing up his feelings for the show. Is that is that a good description of it there, James? Yeah, 
it really is very, very funny. And we really appreciate it, Ian. We do. Uh, one thing I want to say before we play it, though, is listening to it, it really reminded me how bad some of those bad. early episodes sound. I mean... The first episode, oh, oh my God. Yeah. I had the worst I had the worst microphone in history <laughs> for that first episode. Yeah, I mean, it's... I mean, the passion is still there, so I'm not saying us, you know. I'm not saying we were bad. But, yeah, it's just the audio quality. There's a couple of times where... Yeah, it takes a very you can't good, even hear what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, it's a very noticeable hit. So, pardon that. That's not Ian's fault at all. I'm sure he did everything he could to try to clean it up. That was just our fault. Lord Michael David Sims and King James Doe the Fourth of Georgia. Rather than leave my audio equipment dusting as my laptop slowly dies, I thought I'd replay my favourite bits of WFP in this ten-minute package. Beneath this. Puckish exterior lies the mind of someone who loves his criticism scathing when it's deserved. What are your gripes with this one? Well, first off... Or would it be easier to start with what was working in this episode? Well, shoot, that's a smaller list, so we might as well go with that. What's I don't that? think I have anything on my list. <laughs> well, that made that one easy. All right, let's get to the negative stuff, shall we? Exactly. That's about it. It really does bother me that this kid has a Joker poster on his wall, too, if he's such a fan for, you know, the, the great detective that is Batman. Yeah. And it's like, wait, wait, wait. One, why would there be a Joker poster? Two, why would this kid have it? I'm not even saying his mom bought it for him. I'm just saying, why would he even be allowed to have that thing? Because who is going to let a child have a poster of a serial killer in their room? Like, when I was 10 years old, I can guarantee you my mom wasn't going to let me have a poster of John Wayne Gacy hanging over my bed, okay? <laughs> that wasn't going to happen, and the Joker is much, 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 much worse than that. Um, so it, uh, Batman has a gun rack? It's This episode is Home Alone meets Batman. That's all I have to say about this crappy, crappy episode. This one's no, no. all you, James. <laughs> you sound so enthused, James. Oh, don't I, though? <laughs> yes. Yep. Rachel Gould would not do that. that. I'm telling you, I really wish they would have came out and said this wasn't Rache. That it was like, I don't know, a Rache robot. I don't care. <laughs> we get these creepy pod people, baby, Hulk-like, swamp thing, creature things that try to eat Batman's balls off or something. <laughs> and then, like, everybody melts into goo thanks to some weed killer that Batman planted in, that, that, that Batman fed into some frickin' pipes earlier in the episode while Robin was doing some flip de doos off the roof. I mean, that that's really the end of the episode. <laughs> and two episodes in particular received the harshest of maulings. Our first episode today is the Terrible Trio, and before I say anything, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and say that uh, not only is this the worst BTAS episode ever, uh, it might be the worst DCAU episode ever. People like these are worse than the Joker. <laughs> Bullshit. And then, of course, Batman summons the lightning to strike him as soon as he gets onto the he gets hit by the wrecking ball. Batman summons his godlike Thor lightning and just blasts him into a river. But really, other than that, this episode is just crap. <laughs> I may have to bump up Moon of the Wolf because this one is so bad. I'll I'll add Cat Scratch Fever to that. (laughs) Christmas with the Joker is another one. Oh, man. Every episode from this, every episode we've reviewed from here 
you know, before now, gets an extra point, I think, <laughs> just because of how bad this one is. So it, yeah, just because they aren't the terrible trio. Right, exactly, exactly. Like a bullet for Bullock, we gave that a perfect 10. No, that's an 11. <laughs> that's better than perfect at this point, because the terrible trio is just so bad. That's just unfairly picking out a few choice moments of negativity. In general, WFP has given constant quality food for thought. One, this is one of my favorite Batman episodes of all. Yeah. Just the two, the whole thing as a whole. One of my favorites. It, brilliant, brilliant episode. As much as I'm not a fan of this episode, I love that ending to death. That is one of the funniest things in this entire series. And he starts cussing Joker out on the highway. <laughs> and This episode's quite important, though, because it's the first appearance of Harley Quinn. Yes, it is. So, and, I mean, they've got, her, they've got her nailed down in this episode right away. And as I always do, I have to make a note about the animation. The animation was beautiful. Perfect. Absolutely perfect I, just, in my mind. From start to finish, absolutely mm-hmm. just breathtaking, really. Yeah. In this episode, Batman fights a plane. Ugh. An airplane. Right away when I look at this guy, I think child molester. Oh, absolutely. The guy is a child absolutely. molester. Could Batman have picked a worse word to say to Victor than freeze <laughs> when he was trying to stop him? This is the most gruesome episode yet. And the more I'm talking about this episode, the more I'm starting to like it. It's really weird. Because I've never liked this episode, but the more I'm talking about it with you, the more it, it's, the, the better it seems to be. I don't know. I don't know. Except its greatness. <laughs> At the end, we find out that it wasn't Vinny the Shark. It was... The landlord. <laughs> so, you know, she points the gun right at his head, and she's going to pull the trigger, and the Joker, oh my God, right, he's staring down death. And what's he say to her? You don't have the guts. Yeah. I'm like, oh my, I mean, this, this scene shows you their relationship in a nutshell. But perhaps the iconoclasm of Mike and James taking on the internet over the handling of the Joker made for the most entertaining of show openings. And what's sad is it's the first Joker episode. The first Joker episode should have been, like, awesome. You know what the first Joker episode should have been, in my opinion? Be a clown. One of the uh, members by the name of Malpractice, he took issue with the fact that we both rated Christmas with the Joker uh, very uh, low. Poorly. Yeah. Actually, I'm not really a big fan of this episode. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Because, well, the animation was lousy. It's terrible. The dialogue wasn't much better. Right. It was good, but I felt you guys were way too negative over the others, especially the Laughing Fish. Aside from Be a Clown, it's one of the best Joker episodes. <laughs> well, and that was kind of the uh, the overall consensus on the forums, too, wasn't it? Oh, that yeah. I love the Laughing Fish so much. <laughs> yeah. It seems like every time we review a Joker episode, we just basically lambast it. I, I don't know. This is another one. Two Joker episodes in, and I'm not pleased with them so far. Though, again, this one does have its moments. Yeah, like Captain Clown. Oh, you can't beat Captain, Captain Clown. Captain Clown makes me, it makes me laugh. Just, I'm sorry. I just love, <laughs> you killed Captain Clown! Captain Clown! Yes! <laughs> but as far as suspect reviewing went, there was an angle to one reviewer's style that was being missed amongst the Joker scoring fury. So he says, I've got an idea, and dives underneath the water. All of a sudden, Robin says, it's about time! And it's like, okay, is he going to give him underwater head or something? I mean, is Batman going snorkeling? Are Hagen and his assistant gay? How about uh, women not wearing any pants in a kid's cartoon? Oh my god, yes. More of that, please. (laughs) This one, 
Oh, this one. Oh, it, <laughs> it has the first appearance of Jonah Hex. Oh. Swoon. <laughs> okay, but definitely a clue is the fact that Teddy is always wearing a pink shirt, which, of course, pink means feminine. You know, while she's doing a jump kick to you, you might be looking up her skirt, you know? <laughs> yeah, I get, well, it's a distraction, I guess. It's like, hey, lady, you're not wearing any panties. Thud. Oh, damn it. You know? <laughs> oh, my eye. Exactly. They were gay. <laughs> I don't care. I will argue that until the day I die. That's Michael David Sims talking right there, people. <laughs> oh, come on, James. It's not like you were thoroughly pure-minded throughout. Uh, Wormwood looked like he was uh, masturbating. <laughs> It, right as it was going into the where would be the commercial break because I was watching these on DVD. <laughs> it looks like he is jerking off. Filthy, filthy individuals. But on the whole, the look back on BTAS has been joyous. Long may it continue as you touch upon Superman, the Justice League, and Batman of the Future, the lame UK title of Batman Beyond. So I'll leave you with my own personal favourite area of world's finest podcast: the impressions. The ventriloquist is like, I didn't say that. My lips didn't move. And Scarface is like, you're a ventriloquist. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, oh my god, that is so awesome. You know, it wasn't. It wasn't me, boss. Yeah. Of course, it wasn't you, Rhino. You're too stupid to be a traitor. Yeah. Oh, thanks, boss. Grilled cheese sandwich. Bruce Wayne is Batman. <laughs> he He's like, oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah. And Batman's like, back, back off. off. <laughs> it was like, oh. Oh! <laughs> and Batman says, even if it means killing everybody in the building, and Free says, yes, even if that's what it means. This is it, Batman. I'm a little sad, actually. <laughs> you know, you were a worthy opponent, but I told you I'd make a killing at the fair. Psychic vibrations, Alfred! <laughs> yeah, you have the right to remain silent. If you give up that right, you'll probably bore me to tears, so keep your trap shut, dog face. <laughs> I threw a rock at him! <laughs> Crickets chirping? It was a big rock. <laughs> It's like, who else could scale Mount Olympus right, but no, my, bro my brother? Right, no mortal man could do that, nor would they even dare, so it must be Hades. Oh, his heart's slowing, slowing. The Grey Ghost. For Mr. J. It's on its last leg. It's like, clunk, 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 yeah. clunk, 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 clunk. As he pulls up to the curb, and he's just like, I need a new car. <laughs> Montoya going, Madre de Dios. You killed Captain Clown. He goes, because I don't want the world to know that... I can't see! <laughs> Many thanks to Mike and James. Your pal, Ian. Play us out, Joker. You killed Captain Clown. You killed Captain Clown! Just for that, Batman. Oh, uh, let's see. How about some favorite moments, episodes, characters? Um, what do you say, Mike? You, you, you get this off. Yeah, sure. Okay. All right. Um, let's see. Trying to think, of one of my, I guess one of my favorite uh, moments so far. I've already mentioned the entire terrible trio review. That that was so much fun. It it was just insane. Um, but uh, like when Ian, you know, we had Ian do it uh, with his little ten minute uh, splicing there a, a little while ago. Which again, thank you, yes. Ian. Uh, it really means a lot to us. Uh, the, the imitations we use, we we've done. Of the characters, <laughs> like, like um, blind as a bat, where Bruce is like, I don't want the world to know I can't see. <laughs> the melodrama, just making fun of making fun of stupid stuff, I guess, is just 
you know, of course, that's a favorite pastime of mine. Uh, and it's, it's good to be able to, um, to voice it out because this is, this whole podcast, you know, taken as a whole has really helped me out a lot because before I started doing this podcast, I really could not stand to hear myself on tape or see slash hear myself on stage from like videotapes and stuff like that because I used to act all the time in high school and I, I did not want to watch videos of my performances. I, I, I left the room if somebody was playing them, like my parents. But, you know, I can, when I uh, listen to our episodes of WFP, I'm like, <laughs> I just forget that I'm listening to myself. And that's that's a good thing for me, because uh, otherwise it would distract me. And I think it's really helped me in, uh, in my speaking. So that's one thing I th- I, I'm very thankful for, for the overall, this, this podcast as a whole. Um, I know I was going off on a tangent there, but uh, you're free. But I do mean everything I said. Yeah, I, I do mean everything I say, though. Um, you know, I guess my my favorite character. Uh, I, 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 let me do this two ways. I'm going to do a favorite recurring character and a favorite one one shot character. Uh, I think my favorite character, recurring character that they did in this in this series, was probably the Riddler. And I'm, it's because I think they overall did a very good job making him into a serious threat, for one thing. Uh, I thought that was a very important thing for this series to do because he is part of the Bat Rogues Gallery. <clears throat> and the way they, they only gave him three episodes, and I respect the fact that Riddler episodes are extremely hard to write, uh, especially, especially with Riddler's reform. It was a, it was a fantastic look at his psyche, about uh, why he's so obsessive-compulsive. It was a great battle of the minds, you know, Batman screwing with Riddler the whole episode, and Riddler basically doing the same thing to Batman. So I love the way they wrote the Riddler in this series, uh, for the most part. Um, now, my favorite one-shot character... Oh, you can't go wrong with Captain Clown, can you? <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> oh... What about your? Do you have a favorite one-shot character? Um, I'm trying to think. I, I I might have to go with Miriam, or whatever her name was from Baby Doll. Yeah, Miriam I mean, from Baby Doll. Uh, mostly for the joke. I mean, I hate to laugh at my own joke, even though I do it for <laughs> half of this podcast. I mean, it's it's <laughs> that's what this podcast is. Um, but it's it's really that character. I mean, even if you take away the whole "Hey, lady, you're not wearing panties," thought, ah, damn it" thing, it's still a fun character because. Here she is, you think she's just a secretary, you know, just an assistant, and it turns out she's a badass that kicks Robin and Batman's butts all over the place, and it takes Batman being ultra-brutal to her to take her down. He, I mean, if you remember how he took her down, she was doing a jump kick, he ducked, she, he threw a batarang at her feet, tied her up, yanked her, and used her own momentum to propel her through a wall. That's how Batman beat her. He destroyed her. Um, so that tells you how hardcore that character really was. I also like, she didn't have too many lines in that, but you know, my favorite one from there really was, uh, uh, I think it was Robin says something like, hey lady, you're tough. And she's like, meh, it's a living. Just yeah. kind of modest about her skills. I, I, I appreciated that. I thought that was funny. Um when it comes to my favorite recurring character, 
I think I'm going to go with Scarface. I, I might have to go, you know what, I'm going to go Scarface and the Ventriloquist, because you really can't separate the two. Um, right. I know I had some problems with later Scarface appearances. That was mainly with animation, though. But whenever, yeah. this, whenever Scarface and the Ventriloquist were on screen, you were guaranteed laughs, um, some pretty damn scary moments in terms of psychology when it comes to the Ventriloquist. He's a really... I know I've said this a couple of times already this show when it comes to some Batman villains, but he really is a tragic character. I mean, here's this guy who on more than one occasion almost kills himself because that's what the puppet is trying to do. You know what I'm saying? I mean, there's there's exactly. one half of his psyche that's trying to kill the ventriloquist, and the other half, the Scarface half, doesn't realize that if the ventriloquist dies, he dies too. That's, ooh, that that's just... I almost said crazy. <laughs> Imagine yeah. that. <laughs> I mean, it's just—it's a real interesting look at uh, a, a character, be it a cartoon character, a comic book character, or whatever. It's a great look at a character. And another reason I like that uh, the Scarface ventriloquist character is because it pretty much introduced me to that character. Going into this show, you know, I knew who Robin was, I knew who Batman was, I knew who the Joker, the Riddler, even Clayface to a lesser extent, I knew who most of these characters were. Scarface, I sort of knew existed, but I never really... I don't know if I ever saw him in a comic. I just knew he was sort of around. Um, so I appreciate mm -hmm. the fact that it introduced me to this character and that it did it uh, well, because we did see some other characters, uh, the introduction of some other characters that wasn't handled well, such as Count Vertigo. Or the Joker. <laughs> Emails can be sent too. <laughs> I didn't say that. <laughs> oh no, I'll take the flat court. Yeah, believe me. <laughs> but you know, speaking of uh, Scarface slash the Ventriloquist, that leads me to one of my favorite moments, which was uh, your impression of uh, Scarface in in the fur in the uh, read my lips, where he's like. I, I didn't say anything. My lips didn't move. You're a ventriloquist! <laughs> I couldn't stop laughing when you were doing well, that. I really couldn't. You know, <laughs> it's, it's a funny line. I had to repeat it, you know. Oh, yeah. Um, for me, it's, it's really hard for me to pick, like, one moment. And this goes back to what I said earlier about just it all kind of blurs together for me, all the podcasts mm -hmm. I've done. But, and I don't mean to, to get, you know, kind of corny here, but uh, two of my favorite uh, things, favorite moments in quotes that I've enjoyed about this show, uh, the first would be the, the listener response. I Absolutely. had no idea, you know, what this was going to turn into, that we were going to get, you know, think about this episode. We spent a good maybe 45, 50 minutes today just reading emails. My God, mm -hmm. that's, I, I mean, I, I love that so much that there's people that, take the time to, to dash off a sentence or two or these long emails in response to the things we're saying. The fact that there are people out there listening to the words we're saying and then are arguing with us and, you know, sending in counterpoints and then joining in on the forums and downloading the show and saying it's getting them back into comics and into the cartoons and all this. I mean, that just blows my mind. I never expected that. So... That's one of my favorite things about this show. And the other thing is getting to know you better, James. 
I mean, I Absolutely. knew you. Likewise, I knew you from the you. oratory. I knew you from Earth Two. Uh, we had recorded uh, a couple of segments together uh, for Earth. We did the, the show. and we did the award right, show. We did the award show. We did uh, that episode of Earth at the show where Jenny and I sat down and we uh, loosely, I'll put it in quotes, interviewed you about anime. And all this and that, but really sitting down, you know, every other week to record one of these shows with you, just it's been just like this really awesome experience. I know it sounds corny and cheesy, but it's it's the honest, it's the absolute honest truth here. Um, that again, coupled with the, the 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 listener response to what we're doing here, uh, stands out head and shoulders above any moment, any one single moment of World's Finest Podcast so far. Well, I appreciate that, and I will return the the sentiment, because uh, I don't know what I'd do without Earth2.net at this point, because <laughs> it's such it's such a great website, and I know I speak for everybody on the forums and all the Earth2.net, the show listeners, when uh, I say thank you for giving us that website. Um, uh, and yeah, it's I'm glad because when we did the first two episodes, we were both kind of uh, nervous about, oh, would we have chemistry? Right. Or, you know, what is this going? Is this really going to work? I mean, are we going to be able to do this? At that point, we thought we were going to try and do it every week, oh. but you know, we went, we did we we uh, jumped into a fortnightly series, which was definitely oh, for the absolutely, best. Absolutely. And I think we've really gotten something special here. So I'm I'm just. Incredibly pleased at how far this has come along so far. Oh yeah, yeah, and you know I'm really looking forward to to where it's going to go, too. I mean, you know, I was saying it earlier. I'm I'm really looking forward to us getting into Superman. I really am because it's going to change things up. Um, I think we're going to get a whole new batch of listeners writing in. Uh, as hard as it is to believe, there's people that don't like Batman and they prefer Superman. So I think we're going to get we're going to start hearing from new people who are like, oh, you know, I think Superman's better than Batman, and I've waited to write in because of this, blah, 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 blah. And, and, and I mean, I, I love the people that have been writing in for these, all these episodes so far. Don't get me wrong. But oh, yeah. I always love it when we get emails from new people, people we've, the, the silent listeners, so to speak, the people who don't visit the forums, the people who don't uh, write in. I love when I see a, a brand new email address in my inbox. So if there's any of you out there that, that, that fall into the silent listener category, please start writing in. Let us know what you like about the show, what you don't like about the show, what you think about the episodes. I don't necessarily mean the episodes of the World's Finest Podcast. I mean the episodes that we're reviewing. Um because that's that's what really makes our day. That's what I think really keeps us going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we we do it nonetheless. We keep going even if there was just one listener. Um, but knowing that all of you are out there, you know, it helps. Sure, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> the feedback keeps us going. <laughs> but getting back to Superman, is there is there any one thing about Superman that you're looking forward to? Dark side. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my God, he is one of my favorite characters in all throughout the DCAU. Uh, Every time he appears, you know shit's going down, and you know they 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 uh, the episode in which he debuts is he's only there for about ten seconds, but it's really powerful. And then they you know they take him into Justice League, which, which amplifies his awesomeness just. A thousandfold, um, and then there's of course one of your favorite characters and mine, 
uh, terrible Turpin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm looking forward to new characters yeah. above all else. So, yeah, As, but especially Darkseid, uh, because Michael Ironside just owns that character and just, you know, takes it to an unfathomable level, kind of like uh, Dana Delaney does with Lois Lane. Uh, and what episode does Darkseid debut? He debuts in the second episode with, uh, oh, with Tools, Tools of the Trade with uh, Bruno Mannheim, because he's you know he's leading Intergang and oh, that's right. as, from the comics we know Intergang is has always been in cahoots with Darkseid and Apocalypse. Yeah, doesn't so. he just sort of like enter through a boom tube? Like yeah, at the very end of the episode, he, to escape the wrath of Superman, he basically just runs into a boom tube. Uh oh, you don't know what you just got yourself into, that's buddy. Right. Yeah, I'm I'm in complete agreement with you. Just the new characters, the new animation style, the new voice actors, and then looking beyond that, even getting a reimagination of Batman. You know, we get this whole new Batman. I mean, and that spawns out of the Superman cartoon. So I'm really looking forward to uh, the episode World's Finest. Oh my God, we are going to have so much fun with that episode. And it's not too far no, off. No, I think if all goes as planned, it's about episode 27. I was really hoping it could be episode 25. Because uh, that would be yeah. a great way to mark our 25th episode. But if there's the only way to get that to happen is to review like eight episodes. <laughs> I think we'd have to yeah, review like eight or nine episodes. Yeah. Like a show or something. <laughs> it's like, no, that's not going to happen. Sorry. <laughs> oh, and... Uh... Besides world's finest pot, uh, world's finest <laughs> podcast, world's world's finest. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know. Lobo. Oh yeah. <laughs> the main man is by far is by far my favorite episode in that entire series, just because it's so much fun. <laughs> uh, but we'll get to that in about two episodes, That'll I think. Be episode maybe twenty three. Oh, three three episodes. Yeah, yeah three episodes. One uh, will be the last one of Krypton. Twenty two mm-hmm. will be little piece of home, toy man, parasite. Metallo, all those episodes, and then the next batch will include the main man, and uh, I don't know what else is in that batch, but that—that that is, generally speaking, what's coming up. Tools of the trade. Yeah, well, there you go. Uh, so, yeah, we are, we are psyched, to put it very mildly, to see where this is going. Well, let's see, what will be the first episode I am going to regrade here? Uh, might as well start with a good one. Um, Harley's Holiday. This is one that, you know, it's f- still fresh in my memory because we we only did it about a month ago or so. Um, and I graded an eight, which is still a pretty good grade. But you know, looking back on it, it really, really was just an overall fantastic episode. So, yeah, I'm decided to up the grade to a nine, which I believe was your grade too. Yes, it was. So, um, you know. The only thing, looking back on it, that I count off of it was the was uh, uh, the was that Veronica Vreeland again that she kidnapped. Mm-hmm. That was her father. Her father, you know, just driving down the streets of Gotham in a tank. Murdering That's the only them. thing. I, yeah, and yeah, and, and running over them and trying to destroy them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but other than that, it, it's really just a very touching episode. Yeah. Um, you know. And we, you know, we went over all our thoughts on this just, you know, a couple episodes ago. But uh, I, re- the ending of the episode itself is one of my favorite uh, in all of BTAS, mm-hmm. where uh, she just, you know, because it really reminds me of 
of me in a lot of ways because of my life in general the last month and a half. It's where you just want to cry and you hate the world. <laughs> so it, that's it's really what it reminds me of and it kind of uh, touches my heart, as, as you said with Ian's uh, recently uh, finished segment there. Um, yeah. So I guess that's that's officially my grade now for the episode is a 9 out of 10. Okay, so should I do the next one then? We want to alternate like this? Yeah, sure. Okay, which one do I want to start with? I'm going to start with another Harley episode. I'm going to do uh, Harley Quinade, Harley Quinade. We never settled on what to call that one. Um, if you remember, I was harsh on this one because I viewed it and then we reviewed it directly after the terrible trio. And during the review, I kept admitting that I was harsh on it because of where it fell. I said that I watched a terrible trio, and I went into this episode with a bad attitude. I admitted that I should have walked away from the DVD player for a half an hour, an hour, or a month. I don't, I don't know. Until the taste of the terrible trio was out of my mouth, so I didn't take it out on Harley here. And unfortunately, I, I, I think... Even though I bumped my score up, because in my notes I gave it a 5, but then during our scoring I gave it a 6, and I think I was still harsh on it. So I'm going to bump this one up to a 7 now. Yeah, it just it just isn't fair to, to do that, to, to score something else lower, because a, a, the episode that preceded it was just absolute crap. So, yeah, my, my grade on that one goes up. Um, one thing I did notice about this episode, though, that I don't think I noticed before, is that at the end... It's Robin who, manip- who manipulates Harley and not Batman. You know, Batman's known as, you know, the master manipulator. Mm-hmm. Well, in this one, it's Robin who points out that the Joker had no intention of saving Harley, that he was going to let her die in the atomic explosion. And I <laughs> thought that was really cool because that shows you Robin is Batman's son. Okay, um, what's your next one? Let's see. Uh, another good one here. Um, almost got him. I am bumping it up to a perfect Excellent. score. Because it deserves it. And looking back on it, I don't even know why I didn't grade it a, a perfect score. Because I can't, you know, I mean, we, we kind of hemmed and hawed over the uh, whole, uh, the, sh- the, the cops just like, Batman basically instigating a, what could have been a huge gunfight with people dying all over the place. I think that was probably my one big gripe with it, but... You know, I looking back on it, I really don't think that was enough to have taken it down to a nine. So, I'm going to give it a perfect score because it damn well deserves it. Cool. Okay, so next up from me is going to be Fire from Olympus. This one, remember, I gave this like a six, and yeah. when I was scoring it, I even said I don't know why I'm giving it this score. <laughs> I fully admitted that. I didn't know either, and I still don't. <laughs> and I watched it again. I watched. The five episodes I'm talking about here, I watched them all again, and as I was watching Fire from Olympus, I'm like, why do I have a soft spot for this episode? This is not a good episode at all. It's average at best. I mean, I still hold firm that the episode and the characters would have been better served if we met Zeus before he became Zeus, if we met Maxi, is what I mean to say. Mm-hmm. Does that mean we get a two-part episode? Does that mean we get a five-minute uh, intro with him and, uh, what was his girlfriend's name, Cleo? Cleo, um, Cleo, something like that. If if we yeah. saw them together, getting to know them before he fell into the depths of insanity, it would have been, it definitely would have deserved the score that I gave it. But 
it didn't do that, and like I said, I still have a soft spot for it, but I realize that it has to be brought down. So I'm taking it from a six, and I'm bringing it down to a five. Is that still being generous? I think so. <laughs> hey, I graded it a four. Like I said, it's there's a soft spot in my heart for this one. Yeah. I can't explain it. I can't bring it down any lower than a well, five because as I watched it, there's some really strong animation in that episode. There really is. Well, and and uh, I will f- uh, I will fully agree with a sentiment that if you have a soft spot for an episode, you know, it's okay to grade it. Slightly high. Look, look at me and Matt as a hatter. I graded that one an eight. That maybe doesn't deserve an eight because of how it degenerated, but it's still a soft spot in my heart because it's one of my favorite characters. Exactly. So that's all I'll say about that. Um, but speaking of the Mad Hatter, um, yeah, perchance to dream. Um, Mike, what did I grade that episode? Six point five, I believe. Yes, I did. Uh, why did I do that? Because you're insane. Yes, I am. Um, well, as you said, I think it was because you admitted <laughs> that you liked uh, the Mad Hatter. And I think maybe even because of the, the Shakespeare that Bruce starts spouting. Yeah, there was that. And then there was the whole <laughs> the whole uh, de- detective store where he buys all these these knickknacks for yeah. climbing over walls and stuff. And they're all in this, this convenient little mart. <laughs> I think I kind of gave that a joking point, but yeah, the episode makes absolutely no sense. What, you know, why is the Mad Hatter in his dream? You know, just I'm going to bump that down to the average grade of 5. Maybe that's being too generous, I don't know, but it's certainly not the 6.5 I gave it. Do you remember what I scored that one? I'm trying to look it up real per- quick. You scored, scored it a 4. four. Yeah. So, okay. okay. Not that you got to agree with me, I was just trying to Yeah, I know. Okay, so let's see. Which one do I want to do next? Ah, here's one. This is going to be my biggest change here, okay? The Laughing Fish. I went back and rewatched The Laughing Fish, and I will admit that it's better than previously scored. I still don't think it's a great episode, but I'm marking this one up a couple of points because it's really dark. It's very grim. It's a very mature story, and I usually reward that in these cartoons here. And for whatever reason, when I watched this one the first time when we reviewed it, I I don't know, for whatever reason, I I, I gave this one a three last time. I, I wasn't looking at the maturity level of this cartoon. Um, and now that I have, I realize that I was off on my score, and I'm bringing this one up to a six. I'm raising this a whole three points. I'm doubling the score from a three to a six on this one. So you Joker fans out there who are sending in nasty emails and posting Stop things it. at the forum about it, you can you can shush up about the laughing fish for now. <laughs> They're still going to say, it yeah. should have been an eight. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm sure. I mean, I graded it a five, and I'm leaving it right at mm-hmm, that. So. Mm-hmm. Um, let me see here. Two more left. What do I want to do next? Oh, let's do The Man Who Killed Batman. This is one that I criminally graded too low. Uh, you graded it a 9. I graded it a 7.5. And it's definitely more deserving of the 9 you gave it. So I'm going to bump it up a point to an 8.5. Okay. Uh, Sid the Squid is such a hilariously funny character. Um, it, it just You watch how this guy just goes... 
goes through a day in his life, or a night in his life, I should say, and everything goes wrong. One thing leads to another. He 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 starts off as just this lowly doof who's going to be a, a patsy for a, a low-level mob, and then he ends up being thrown into a coffin by the Joker. <laughs> that's that's some character progression right there, and yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna bump it up a point to an eight point five. It definitely deserves it. Okay, let's see. The next for me is going to be Baby Doll. Actually, um, upon rewatching this one, I realized how truly tragic this episode is. Um, and I think the voice actress... Do you happen to know her name off the top of your head, James? Alison LaPlaca. Okay. I think she did a wonderful job transitioning from Baby Doll to... Uh, what was her name? Louise Doll? Um, Mary Catherine. Mary Catherine Doll, yeah. I mean, there were a couple of points where she's, I'm Baby! You don't know how hard it was for me out there. And then she transitions back. I mean, that is awesome voice acting. It shows uh, an incredible range. And that was my favorite. That was maybe my favorite thing about that episode was the voice acting. Yeah, and that ending where she pretty much, in quotes, kills herself. Oh, that's, yeah. that's downright brutal. Last time when we scored this one, I gave it a six. It's going up a full point to a seven. Okay. Let's see. My last one. And this one was the very first one I chose, oddly enough. Uh, trial. Uh, you know, I go back and I watch it again. And I keep your thoughts in mind about this episode because you, you hated this episode, yes. basically. And for good reason. Uh, Janet Van Dorn was one of the worst characters, one-off characters in this entire series. And I don't know why I... No, you know what? I take that back. I do know why I put that aside, because I was just so... I was so giddy at seeing the entire rogues gallery in one episode, basically. And I graded it an 8, but it damn well doesn't deserve that. Uh, so I'm going to bump this down two points to a 6. Um, maybe it might not even deserve that, but there were some real, there were some really good things about this about the episode, i.e., the Irish priest Joker. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, the the uh, Batman's fighting in the sh- in the dark uh, room where he's about to be electrocuted, and he just he like takes every, he starts taking people out right and left, and nobody knows what's going on. That was a really cool little scene. It was. It was a good testament to Batman's, you know, ninja, basically ninja prowess, which we don't, which we didn't really get to see all that much in the series. So yeah, it definitely doesn't deserve an eight. So, but I don't think it's a terrible episode either. So I'm going to give it a six. Okay. So then the last one that I'm scoring, James, do you want to take a guess at what it is? Hmm. Are you going to lower uh, a terrible trio's grade to negative one? It was tempting, but no, can't do that. Um, let's see. Hmm. I'm going to guess... House and Garden. No. Okay. I lose. Christmas with the Joker. And my mouth gapes open widely. That's because you didn't let me finish the sentence. (laughs) I'm not changing my fucking score, so ha ha! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, what a mean trick to play on me and the audience. Here's the thing. Okay, when I sat down <laughs> to review, to re-review Christmas with the Joker, I went in with an open mind. I was like, okay, I, last time I gave this a three, 
I knew you gave it a 2.5. We were right about even on this one. I, and I, you know, in the back of my head, I'm like, we were right. We were right. But I, I, like I said, I, I put it in the back of my head, put it on the back burner, however you want to state that. Okay. And I tried to go into this with, with an open mind, despite the fact that that was kind of rolling around somewhere. And as I was watching it, I was just reminded of all the things I hate about this episode. I, I, I know it's a fan favorite. I respect that it's a fan favorite. Why? I don't know. Exactly. But that's what I was just about to say is I don't understand why it is. I, I think it boils down to the fact that it's the first Joker episode. It's a Joker episode in general. I've always felt that the Joker episodes are graded a little more highly by the fan base because they're Joker episodes, no matter how bad those episodes are. And I think this is one of those cases where people are like, hey, it's the Joker, and he's singing Batman Smells, and it's the first Joker episode. Yay! But it doesn't make sense. Again, I'm going to reiterate, uh, Operation Cause and Effect, people, is just throwing an <laughs> explosive at uh, at a cannon. You know, there was a, an, an observatory observatory telescope turned into a cannon. There's there was a Christmas tree turned into a rocket right, I mean, inside an asylum. Right, there's there's certain things I'll allow the Joker again. Joker logic. We coined that term, and I think it works. But here it doesn't work. The Joker escaped on Christmas Eve. But yet he has all these things set up on Christmas Day. So he did all this. He he re, he retrofitted a, can, uh, a a telescope into a cannon. He made all these killer robots of himself and of toys. He he found henchmen to bomb a bridge. He kidnapped Bullock, Summer Gleason, and Gordon without anybody noticing. I mean, there's just too much going on. This is a terrible episode. And if you want the truth, I almost brought this down to a two from my original three, but I'm like, no, I'll stick with the three. And I don't know why I stuck with that three. I really should bring this down, but... I'm tempted to bring my grade down if I'm allowed to. (laughs) No, you only got five episodes. Well, shit. So, yeah, this grade, I don't care what kind of nasty emails it gets me, I don't care what kind of posts it gets me at the forum, is staying firm at a three. And you're lucky it's staying at a three, because like I said, this deserves to be less in my mind. Mike, yes? I, I'm going to ask you again. Why are you not lowering that I grade? don't know. I don't know. <laughs> because, oh my god, because you're reminding me of all this crap, just... I like I said, I want to bring my grade down and even lower than what you were going to bring your grade down if you were going to do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my god. Just a hideous episode. It, it absolutely is. It really is. Like I said, I respect that uh, fans like it, but I just can't agree with them in the slightest. No. But um there are you know amazingly there are worse episodes yes. like the you know previously the aforementioned many times terrible trio which got our lowest grade of all, you know, dual zeros. And, but in that, it was fun to review it, because we got to trash it, and it was fun, and good times were had by all. Absolutely. Now, do you want to hear what our overall scores were for the series? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, you overall, and this includes the movies, uh, Mask of the Phantasm (laughs) and Sub-Zero, Gave the Batman, the animated series, uh, 6.1. I gave it a 6.0. With the uh, altered scores that we just entered, we're even at 6.1. Now, do you feel that's a fair grade? 
for Batman the Animated Series? Do you think it should be higher, that it should be lower? What, what do you feel about our overall average scores there? I feel it's perfect. You do? Quite frankly, I do. Because, now, the only thing I, that maybe in the back of my head is kind of saying, eh, maybe it should be a little higher, is because it was such a groundbreaking series. Um, and maybe that, in and of itself, deserves a little... Maybe to maybe have the grade increased a little higher. But I think six is, is okay, because there are a lot of really bad episodes in this series, but there are you know, just as many and more uh, really, really good episodes. you got Bullet for Bullock, you got The Man Who Killed Batman, Almost Got Him, just to name a few. Um, but I look at it this way. If you've got, you've got the Batman the Animated Series, and if we're going to say it gets a six, and you go, I look at way down the road to Justice League, which there are very few episodes in that entire series that I just flat out don't like. I can, and I can already see myself grading most of those episodes, eights or above. And, you know, I go back and look at the animation, the, uh, the voice acting, the episodes taken as a whole. I think I can see the six being, easily being the lowest, uh, overall grade we'll give a series because it's gonna, it just gets better and better and better from here. So yeah, I'm, I'm okay with a six. Okay, I'm going to agree with everything you said, but I am going to factor in the fact that this was so groundbreaking, that this launched the DC Animated Universe, and I, I just have to give it an extra point for that. So for me, episode-wise, I think the six six 6.1 is, is perfect, but it needs that extra boost because of what it means animation, what it means to television, what it means to geeks around the world, it, it's definitely getting uh, an overall grade of seven from me. Here it is, gentlemen. Enough kaboom to turn Gotham into the world's biggest pothole. What say we start the bidding at uh, one million? One million! Two million! Three million! Five! Gentlemen, please, don't insult me with nickel and dime bids. The man who walks out with this bomb walks out with Gotham in his pocket. Yours to pick clean or blow sky high. Your call. What am I bid? How about nothing? Zero. Zip. Zilch. Nada. My personal check for Bupkis, drawn on the First National Bank of Squadoom. <laughs> This lot is sold. You really should loosen up, dealer. Have a laugh now and then. Pleasant. Feedback in the form of emails and MP3s can be sent to feedback at worldsfinestpodcast.com. That's feedback at worldsfinestpodcast.com. Next time on World's Finest Podcast, we'll discuss The Last Son of Krypton from Superman the Animated Series. That's very weird to say. But anyways, for James Doe, I'm Michael David Sims saying thank you for listening to World's Finest Podcast. <laughs>